This is the Tulsa World Newsroom Podcast. My name is Jason Collington. I'm the editor of the Tulsa World. I'm here with Andrew Eager, one of our best investigative journalists, and I would argue one of the best investigative journalists working in America today. Uh, she has been all over a story for years and years now concerning epic charter schools and uh, was able to break some news recently. And I'm here to kind of get the story behind the story. Uh, this is where I interview the reporters, photographers, and editors of the Tulsa World and try to bring you what it is that we're really trying to do here at the Tulsa World. Uh, Andrea, uh, last week you, you were at a meeting, the only reporter at a meeting at the Capitol. Uh, tell us what happened. Well, uh, two education committees on the House side of the legislature, so the House Common Education Committee and the Appropriations and Budget Subcommittee on Common Ed um, met jointly and invited our state auditor, our statewide elected auditor, to give them an update on um, her investigative audit into EPIC, which she completed the first round of in October of 2020. That audit was done um, at the request of Governor Kevin Stitt. And the headline that we wrote, that, that we put on that story, uh, was that this what she has found uh, isn't a small thing. What, what did she tell them? Well, she told them that um, she found that uh, two things primarily, that um, Epic's for-profit management company, it's called Epic Youth Services. Uh, it was founded by the same men who founded the school. So at the same time, they found a school and they found, uh, they established a for-profit school management company at that time exclusively for the management of Epic Charter Schools. And they uh, appoint their friends to a governing board. These are the, the auditor's words. And that board approves a management contract with this company and they pay themselves um, with board approval 10% of every dollar that comes into the school. That's state federal revenue, uh, all taxpayer dollars. And um, you know, it's interesting. It's a question I and others had asked for years how it could be 10% because a school of epic size by law in our state is limited to spending 5% of its revenues on administrative costs. And that's to keep overhead costs down and more right. money going yeah. into the classrooms and public schools in our state. Um, and I, I never got an answer, uh, and no one I know who asked ever got a clear answer about that. But the auditor said it is clear that they were capped at 5% and they should have been penalized every year they exceeded that 5% cap, dollar for dollar, meaning paid the state back um, dollar for dollar, every dollar that they exceeded that 5% cap. Um, but also about that pot of money, the auditor said that she found falsified invoices that the company used to justify those administrative costs. So they, did, they couldn't just take 10%. They had to justify what good and service they were being paid for. And she says that there are falsified invoices. Um, the example she gave the lawmakers um, are claiming public employees' salaries, um, you know, the school employed uh, administrators, a whole administrative staff. Um, and the auditor's contention is that um, they could not claim those salaries. They should not have been claiming child nutrition costs at an online school, for example, 
on these invoices. And she said she turned those over as evidence to the attorney general's office. Um, uh, she said evidence of embezzlement. The other pot of money that our auditor has questioned the use of, and this again is all taxpayer dollar, is what Epic has always called the learning fund. So they allocate, in the, in the early days of the school, they allocated $800 per student. Um, in the last uh, three, four, five years, that um, was increased to $1,000 per student. That covers the cost of a laptop or an iPad if they need one, the, the basic cost of their curriculum, a couple hundred dollars. And then the parents have a say um, for the Epic one-on-one -on -one students in how the rest of that money is spent. Well, the auditor found that all of that money was shifted over to the private company. Um, and that finding was confirmation of the Tulsa World's own reporting. Um, we had done a records request and demonstrated um, through those records that we obtained that um, this public company was taking all of that taxpayer money into the private company for their management. And they would never provide documentation to us of how they were spending it on students. Well, they also wouldn't provide that documentation to the state auditor in this state. And so with the attorney general's help, she took them to court. She took the private management company to court. And what she told the lawmakers last week is that that lawsuit has given her some private behind closed doors access to some records, which she found um, showed that this money was all taken into private business accounts. It was never accounted for back to the school, apparently, and that many of the expenditures were being made on personal credit cards. Um, and so she still has not been able to account for how much was spent on students. Um, and she said to the lawmakers last week that she has never been able to get a final ruling from an Oklahoma County District Judge on you know, making those records public and, and getting full access to them. So it was, it was very interesting. And I mean, the headline, this might be one of the biggest uh, cases of stolen taxpayer money in Oklahoma history. She did say that. Uh, I had never heard her say that or anybody say that, but um, the numbers in question are very high. And I had personally wondered um, how this compared to, um, you know, historical things that, you know, we hear about the Oklahoma County Commissioner scandal of the 80s, um, which was, you know, well before my time working as a journalist. And, uh, but she told the lawmakers that that 10% cut, the, the falsified invoices, she believes, um, is as high as $53.5 million out of the $68 million that they were paid for uh, five or six years. And obviously they were paid for years before that, but her audit only goes back to 2015. Um, and she said, you know, that the inaction by lawmakers last session after her audit came out and inaction by law enforcement had allowed um, this company to, in her words, siphon off. Um, up to another $80 million um, that she said is, is unaccounted for. I mean, she even brought up Enron in her discussion. I mean, tell us the context of that statement. Yeah, she said um, that this arrangement, which is not unique to Epic, um, but it is uh, 
possibly why, you know, there are so many examples around the country. She told lawmakers about three recent ones um, of, uh, you know, financial wrongdoing being prosecuted. Uh, there are examples of this around the country, she, she told them, but um, she used that phrase, the Enron of public ed, about this arrangement of, you know, someone setting up a public school and then setting up a side-by-side -side for profit venture to, in her words, milk taxpayer profits, to, to milk the school for profits. And, um, you know, it, it's an interesting question, you know, how much profit margin could be made in public education or in education of uh, pre-K through 12th grade students. And, um, you know, what that margin should be, what, what is a reasonable leftover margin to be made as profit after right. you pay for the education of children, which is not cheap. For people who don't know what Epic Charter Schools, they were a charter school that started and during the pandemic became the largest school district in Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, and and they, they've kind of trailed off a little bit. The enrollment has kind of come down. Uh, but this is a program that was in many counties, uh, many Oklahoma children, uh, we're going to this school, uh, and now, and as you reported, it's ch there's a chance that this that this uh, setup uh, gave the founders of this charter school they 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 it could be said that they've become millionaires uh, because of this uh, arrangement and this this the way the system was set up. Well, what's the latest now? So your story comes out, uh, makes news, uh, shared all over the internet, uh, uh, even some even some. Many of the private groups uh, on Facebook that are focused on education, a lot of discussion based on your reporting. What's the latest right now, now that we're about a week away from that story? Well, yeah, and that was a big story um, because after, you know, listening to the auditor speak to these lawmakers, um, it raised the question in my mind, again, of, you know, what is the status of this? She made very pointed remarks to them as she did in November when she spoke to a uh, Tulsa County GOP women's uh, luncheon gathering um, that um, she doesn't know why charges haven't been filed in this case. Um, just as a reminder, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation has been investigating on and off um, reports of wrongdoing or questions about um, how taxpayer money is being spent by Epic since 2013. It's a really long time. And, um, you know, we documented through our reporting in the first half of 2019 that um, that investigation had been revived and also that the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the U.S. Department of Education's law enforcement arm had also um, joined in in the years leading up to that report. So 2017, 2018, this thing got going again. And um, so when the auditor said, I don't know why, you know, nothing has been done. I picked up the phone that afternoon before I sat down to write my story and I called the OSBI, asked for a status report. I called the attorney general's office and asked for a status report. The AG's office said they could not comment on an ongoing investigation, but um, the OSBI um, said they answered that they had turned over their case, that uh, their investigation had been completed and that they had turned the case over to the attorney general's office for their review. Um, that was news and it was big news. And um, so, yeah, we got a pretty big headline out of a couple of phone calls in the afternoon 
And then um, at the end of the week, um, the attorney general's office announced that um, it was not going to ultimately decide whether or not charges should be filed, that that would be back in the hands of Oklahoma County District Attorney David Prater. Uh, Prater oversaw the case, if you could call it that. I mean, you know, obviously law enforcement um, works hand in hand between the investigators and, um, you know, the individuals who decide whether or not uh, to, to pursue charges in, in a case like that. And, and again, that case was on and off for those years, but um, the attorney general's office took the case and appointed a special prosecutor in late 2020. And here, just over a year later, the attorney general's office handed that case back to the Oklahoma County District Attorney, David Prater, and he will ultimately decide whether or not charges should be pursued against the founders of Epic and the for-profit operators of that management company and, and their employees. You also mentioned that the IRS is now involved too. What, what's going on with the IRS? Yeah, uh, it was just a little mention during the meeting with lawmakers that the auditor made. Um, you know, Epic has had some dramatic uh, change occur in the last uh, seven or eight months. At the end of May, there was a dramatic shift in the leadership of the school board and, uh, and an overhaul. Some new members have been added in recent months. And the new governing board chair, whose name is Paul Campbell, um, he's a businessman from uh, Seminole, the Seminole area. He runs a charter school in Seminole, Oklahoma. Um, he was sitting in the room and our auditor looked over at him and said to the lawmakers, oh, by the way, um, Mr. Campbell just told me that um, Epic Charter Schools has just been notified by the IRS that um, it is under federal audit. And, um, and wow. apparently that was welcomed by the school. This, the new leadership has invited in the OSBI um, and uh, apparently federal investigators um, for a couple of months now. They announced that um, in December themselves. So they are the new leadership of, of the school is trying to, you know, clean house and make sure that um, things are done properly moving forward to, you know, keep the school in operation. You mentioned that the enrollment was um, up and then back down. It's still a very, very large school district. Um, so, you know, enrollment did peak at about 60,000 students during the pandemic as um, parents all over the world really sought Sure, um, sure. at home, you know, remote learning options. And, and Epic certainly is a big brand name in our state for that service. And, um, but by this last fall, by the fall of 2020, their enrollment had um, declined back to, down to, I believe around 35,000 students total. Um, and, uh, but it's still one of the largest school systems in our state as it stands. So, uh, you and I have known each other a long time. The, we, we met back in college uh, and we both interned at the Oklahoman. Uh, and then I came to the Tulsa world and then you came to the Tulsa world. And, and one of the first jobs that you had is that you became the, the beat writer on education and kind of became, uh, again, like you always have, rose to the top of being the top education reporter in the state and uh, did a lot of reporting. When did, when did Epic first get on your radar? What, what year was it? Take me back to that day when you first heard the word Epic Charter School. 
I have had, you know, occasion to think about that moment a lot the last few years. Um, this uh, last month, the end of January, marks three years that, um, you know, Epic has been the primary focus of my reporting. And um, I've never worked on anything, any one subject matter that, that long. Um, you know, I, I covered Tulsa Public Schools and the local school board there for 17 years, but you know, the, the focus of our reporting on that was completely varied, you know, from one day to the next. But um, yeah, when, when these uh, co-founders of Epic, their names are David Cheney and Ben Harris were getting started, um, you know, it was this very new thing, online virtual schooling. And uh, the state superintendent at the time was named Sandy Garrett. And um, uh, I had just begun covering the State Board of Education. So this would have been in the 09, 2010 range. And, um, you know, virtual schooling online, on a computer, at home schooling was in its infancy in our state. And these guys emerged um, on that scene with this idea. And um, I actually attended a meeting here in Tulsa um, that David Cheney hosted um, at a like a rec center slash uh, childcare kind of facility that was uh, vacant. And um, it was a meeting in the evening, a public meeting. And I just sat in the background and thought, I'm, I'm gonna go listen to what this guy's um, you know, saying about this new thing. And um, he, was, he was trying to sell parents um, on the idea of, of Epic. Of, uh, but he had this idea that, you know, they needed to offer an in-person option for students um, that, uh, you know, was unheard of at the time for virtual schooling. It was meant to, at that time, to be this, this alternative, um, you know, for people who were homeschool-minded or who had sick kids or who had kids who were um, gymnasts and training for um, things that, you know, act or kid, child actors and that sort of thing. Right, and right. so um, it was really interesting. And, um, you know, you don't always remember, especially when you cover education, you cover a lot of meetings, you sit through a lot of um, informational sessions for parents. And, um, but it really jumped out at me um, that they had this idea that, and they were telling these parents, don't worry, if you wanna do this, we'll, we'll have this place where you can drop your child off during the day. Their, their learning would still be based on a computer, um, but you'll have this place to bring them. Well, it turned out that the, uh, the state superintendent who had just taken over, um, her name was Janet Barisi, um, had other ideas about the legality of that. And it landed them in court. So the State Department of Ed at that time under Janet Barisi's leadership ended up in court with Epic and they weren't allowed to open those physical locations. So those parents at that meeting I attended, um, they, they didn't have a place to drop their kids off. The idea evolved um, over the years. Legislation um, was brought and passed and, um, and that idea of a physical location came back in, um, you know, well, for Epic in 2017, they opened what they call Epic Blended Learning Centers in Tulsa and Oklahoma County. And, um, and I, in 2018, I went to visit the new Tulsa Blended Learning Center um, for Epic. And uh, it was the same, it was, here it was that idea that I had heard pitched 
eight, nine years earlier, this place where you can come and bring your kids if you work or whatever. And um, it would be online computer-based learning. There would be teachers sort of roaming the room um, to assist as needed, but uh, and, and your child could, uh, you know, uh, have a place to go if you couldn't um, stay home with them or felt that they needed that kind of support and assistance of a teacher on site. And that really is what um, is how we got involved um, in our reporting in early 2019. So Epic started growing by leaps and bounds when that idea came into play over 2017 and 2018. And um, they dangled this carrot. Um, they used that $1,000 or $800 learning fund for parents um, and their ability to direct some of it to pay for activities for students like uh, horseback riding or um, acrobatic lessons and piano lessons and soccer clubs um, to use whatever was left over of that as they saw fit um, for their child. And, um, and so the charge to me by our bosses at the time was, where's all of this money going? Um, right. How could they have that much left over after spending um, on the education of students and, uh, and find out where that money's going? What, what would you say this investigation has taught you? I mean, you've done a lot of things, uh, dug into a lot of things, but like you said, this is the longest story you've worked on. What, what, what have you learned from it? Well, that's an interesting question. I, um, I've thought a lot about, you know, having been an education reporter this long, it has its advantages, but, you know, I think you also, um, it has its disadvantages. And one thing that really jumps out at me is, uh, you know, that, that I think that um, we as education reporters need to better inform and educate the public about um, the limitations of the annual auditing process that that public schools in our state undergo. You know, um, I, I've thought a lot about how long this investigation has gone on, how long these um, founders of Epic were able to um, get by and keep operating and, and to have these questions asked but never really um, answered. And um, one of the responses that they gave for many years was, "We our audits are clean, our audits are clean. And um, our state auditor who's elected by the taxpayers has said repeatedly uh, in public um, since her report came out on October 1st of 2020 that um, those audits don't work that way. They're not investigative in any fashion. Um, their, their balance sheet, their statement audits. So they're making sure that the numbers balance out of the money coming in, and the money going out, and that they haven't uh, gone into the red. Um, they're not investigative audits. And, um, you know, last week she told the lawmakers who asked her, you know, how has this been investigated for so long and nothing happened? She also noted to them that uh, she doesn't believe the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation even has an audit, a forensic auditor on staff. And um, it just was a really interesting point. Yeah. You know, she, she said she has 100 for, uh, auditors on staff um, and her agency budget is around $10 million. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's, I think a lot of people were felt assured that um, things were okay when, According to our state auditor, maybe they weren't. Well, Second, 
before I go, there was one other thing I, I thought of uh, about, you know, as a lesson from this, and that's, um, you know, there are fewer journalists in our state working today. Um, the media landscape is, is very changed, but um, I, I think journalists need to devote more of our limited resources on scrutinizing um, new uses of public money, particularly as, um, as government pushes into new areas of privatization. And that's really what the story is about. Um, the Epic co-founders told lawmakers and investigators and the public for a decade that um, they were just doing this new thing and, um, and that that was the answer to, to why people were going after them. But, you know, again, according to our state auditor, according to some search warrant affidavits that have come out through the course of the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations uh, probe into this, um, you know, the allegation is that, that there was just good old fashioned, um, you know, misuse of taxpayer dollars alleged in this case. Um, and, you know, that's not, that's not new. <laughs> that's, um, uh, you know, not something that should happen um, just because there's something new being tried or a private entity is um, the one handling taxpayer dollars. Yeah, I, I think our, our state has gone into some new areas over the last couple of years, and you're right. It, it, sometimes laws are written, sometimes po policies are put into place, sometimes a system's put into place, and there's not a lot of, does this even work? Uh, how can someone uh, turn this uh, evil? Uh, how can someone uh, turn this into a, a profit-making machine uh, that things are not fully thought out before they're proposed, before they're signed by the governor, before, before they or approved by both, you know, houses of the of the legislature. So yeah, you're right. There, this is a kind of a um, a look into what happens when not every question is answered, and what uh, going with something new that uh, again, other states have charter schools. Other states have had charter schools for a long time, uh, but it seems like the way that we did it uh, has created this um, system uh, that our state auditor says might be the biggest embezzlement of taxpayer dollars in our history. So. Uh, Andrea, I appreciate all the work you've done on this. You continue to be on this. It said you were the only reporter in that meeting uh, when you broke that story of the auditor talking to the, those two subcommittees. Um, uh, this is what we do here. Uh, this, you know, we, we, we take our reporters and photographers and we send them places you can't go. Uh, and we go to places uh, that you need to be at. And so Andrea, appreciate all the work on it. Again, uh, this podcast is, is a chance for me uh, to talk to the reporters, photographers, and editors of the Tulsa World and try to get the stories behind the stories. Uh, reminder, this is a, a podcast you can subscribe to just like all eight of the Tulsa World podcasts are. Uh, they're on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Uh, please subscribe today and uh, follow the stories of the Tulsa World. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. For more information, you can visit TulsaWorld.com.